Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from New Jersey, Cat Swamp Road, Warren County, coming to you today and beaming up to the Sirius XM Rural Radio Channel 147 satellite, right? And we get together here every Saturday at 11 a.m. in the farm shop, right? And then again on Sunday at 6 p.m. And those are both in the Eastern Standard Time Zone. So if you missed the show on Saturday, you could catch it on Sunday. Or if it's something that you want to listen to again, you can. But keep in mind that the back episodes are all listed on my website, which is farmmachinerydigest.com. And then you just click on the tab that says FMD Radio. And then you could listen to the shows anytime you want as a podcast or on demand. So if there's a topic that you want to revisit, and then you could just go listen to it and have, hey, whenever you want. All right, 24 7, 365 days out of the year. So, as we go into the second year of this show, I want to thank you once again, my audience, for making that possible. And I want to, and I want to use this year to bring you to a different level as far as interacting with your machinery because. We all know that machinery is a main component of agriculture. And the first year was kind of, in this show, I was touching on basic basic subjects and basic topics. And I'm still going to do it. Everything I'm going to discuss is going to, moving forward, is going to be relevant. Because if it's not relevant, what good is it? Right, so it's not like pie in the sky stuff. We're going to talk about the astrophysics. Not that I have the ability to talk about that anyway, but I want to bring it to the next level. So, the analogy that I'll make is like if this was an agronomy program, then the first year we would be talking about seed to soil contacts and N, P, and K and the basic fundamentals of um, nutrition for a plant. And now we're going to talk about micronutrients. So, we're going to go to the next level. And that's why it's important for me to let you know that you can reference those back issues on the the website so following that theme but before i get into that i just want to ask you to contact me at hot rod farmer at farmmachinerydigest.com and let me know where you listen from and the reason why i'm asking you to do that is because i want to better fine-tune this show to my audience and so if i know where you are more what you're growing what your operation is about then i can um alter my uh show topics to to, and also if you have a topic that you want me to discuss on the show please please feel free to let me know because this is meant to be not a monologue not just me talking to you but a dialogue you communicating back with me and what i'm also in the midst of doing is having hot rod farmer license plates made up so they're going to be nice aluminum USA made license plates with the hot rod farmer logo on it, which is the tractor with the smoking tires and the chrome exhaust stack with the flames blowing out of it, and the American flag waving from the back and a blower sticking through the hood. And everybody who sends me an email and lets me know where they listen from will go into a drawing. And then every week I will be giving out a free USA made, as I said, hot rod farmer license plate. And there'd be, and there'd be, I would love to be able to go down the road and see one of those license plates on your semi, your pickup, your car, 
what have you. So there'll be 52 of them given away every year. So you have 52 opportunities to win. Then there's nothing involved. All you need to do is send me an email where you listen from. And then every week I will reach out. I will reach out to someone and then I will announce their name on the radio as the winner. And if you don't want to be announced on the radio, that's fine also. You just let me know and I'll be able to put a pin in my map for that for where you are and what you grow and what you do so now based on that theme what i'm going to do is start to break away into a more in-depth topic today since it's the new year and i'm going to be discussing parasitic losses in farm equipment and equipment in general so it's very important for you to identify and then eliminate parasitic losses but if you're not familiar with the parasitic losses then all you need to do is sit pat through the commercial break because when i come back i will explain it to you and never forget agriculture runs on machinery but profits on reliability Marvel's podcasts are now on the Sirius XM app. Get the latest in comics, TV, film, and beyond. Hear from the storytellers and what's up and coming. From This Week in Marvel, Marvel's Voices, Women of Marvel, and Marvel's Pull List. Hear new episodes of their weekly series on Sirius XM before anywhere else. Now on the Sirius XM app. Free for most subscribers. Just download it today and tap podcasts. I'm Tyne Morgan, host of U.S. Farm Report. Join me each weekend as we explore the news and issues that matter the most to agriculture. We know this past year has been challenging in many ways, but as agriculture continues to adapt, we are right there with you. From markets to weather, each weekend we take a deep dive into what matters most. Join me each weekend for U.S. Farm Report, timely, trusted tradition. How do you go about changing the world? You start by growing the next generation of leaders. Hi, I'm Cole Bearlocker, the 2021-2022 National FFA President from Washington. Thanks for watching FFA Today on RFD-TV. FFA Today is a program that showcases these leaders and their achievements, their stories, their innovations. Join us for FFA Today, Sunday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 Central, right here on RFD-TV. Hi, this is Rob Keck from Bass Pro Shops, the leader in the great outdoors. Join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern for Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. We'll talk about all things outdoors and preserving our access to field and water. Join us every Saturday as we bring you special guests from unique locations, as well as inside access to the latest topics and trends in the great outdoors. Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World only on Rural Radio and the Sirius XM app. Your adventure starts right here. Welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. And as I said in the opening segment, we're going to be discussing parasitic losses in farm equipment, in engines, in hydraulic systems, in electrical uh, devices, motors. And, you know, we're all familiar with the term parasite and a parasite that it's going to live off of something else as a host and suck uh, energy from it and or... Uh, nutrients 
So we're familiar with the term parasite in that form. And then also in electronics or electrical components, you could talk about a parasitic drain. So if you were to shut off, let's say your tractor or your truck, and you, and something was staying powered up, let's say arguably a relay was uh, stuck closed, then on the track that a diesel, the glow plugs were staying evoked, and that would be, and you'd come back the next morning or the next day, and the battery would be dead. That would be considered a parasitic drain. So in electrical, when something is not shutting off and staying powered up, that's considered a parasitic drain. But we're going to talk about parasitic losses. And the parasitic loss, a simplistic way to to define that, it's a comparison between the energy input and the work output of that device. And I'm using the word device because it could be a hydraulic motor, it could be a diesel engine, it could be a gasoline engine, it could be a... um, a uh, brake caliper, a hydraulic piston. It could be a cable operating something on a piece of equipment. So uh, that, so those are all considered parasitic losses. So in essence, what we are going to be looking for on farm equipment is to have the work input, the amount of work that is required to operate this device be equal to its designed intent. Now, there will always be some sort of parasitic loss. So, for instance, in an engine, in an internal combustion engine, only about 25% of the BTU, which is the energy content in British thermal units that the fuel has, be it gasoline or diesel, is actually used to create work that the crankshaft will transfer to the flywheel. So in an engine, and that's, you know, that's a rough, est- that's a rough estimate, that's in the, uh, about 25%. So that means that 70, approximately 75% of the energy that is consumed from the fuel tank is not used to, to do work. And there are three areas of losses in an engine, and they are thermal losses, frictional losses, and pumping losses and very quickly i want to get beyond that into other equipment very quickly thermal losses are the heat that goes into the coolant or into the air if it's an air-cooled engine and then out the exhaust pumping losses are the work that the engine does to pump air in and out which we call in engineering cylinder filling and cylinder emptying and then frictional losses are the friction of running the engine the uh turning the crankshaft against the bearings the angularity of the connecting rod as it pushes the piston up against the cylinder wall the thrust side the running the camshaft the valve train working against the valve spring so all of those are um are, are frictional losses inside an engine but we need to look at and to bring this down to you know to put the feed bag where you could reach it is that when you look at any type of machinery that there is going to be work that needs to be done and and doesn't necessarily need to be done with the engine so if you go and you step on the brakes let's say you're going to town and you step on the brakes on your pickup truck to stop at the uh at a stop sign well there's work that is being done you're stepping on the brake pedal, which the brake pedal is then evoking a piston in the master cylinder. That piston in the master cylinder works on the hydraulics. It's pushing, it's creating a pressure in the hydraulic fluid, and that pressure and flow is working against a piston on the caliper. And then the caliper is actually going to squeeze the brake pads against the rotor using a hydraulic brake, for an example. I mean, a uh, disc brake, for example. 
So now, where would the parasit, the potential parasitic loss be? Well, the I mean, there obviously could be a parasitic loss, meaning that there's an additional friction in where the pedal pivots, and I'm not going to deny that, that's possible. But the main potential for a parasitic loss in a braking system is the amount of energy that is required to move the piston and the floating caliper. If it's a single piston caliper, it floats, so as the piston comes out, the caliper slides and has slide points, has ways like you would on a lathe where the caliper slides and if those points are corroded or they're rusty and they have no lubrication then that is a parasitic loss in the braking system so it is very important on on whether it's a semi with a slack adjuster on air brakes or whether it is a uh, a road vehicle or whether it's a tractor what have you anything is that you need that there is a great deal of parasitic loss in braking systems because you're actually stepping harder on the pedal you don't realize it you're stepping harder on the pedal and let's say arguably for easy arithmetic you need it needs a hundred pounds of pressure to to stop the vehicle uh hydraulic pressure on the piston in the caliper well if you have a lot of friction the way that caliper has to slide and there's a lot of friction you may need 120 or 130 or 140 or 150 pounds of pressure on there so that is a parasitic law so it's very important for you to and that's not just on disc brakes that's on drum brakes also because the where the whether and again whether it's a semi or whether it's whatever it is it makes no difference is that when the when the wheel cylinder or the slack adjuster on the air brake system when it starts to move out those brake shoes are sliding for or they're, they're moving against something where it's a backing plate or a anchor pin there's different designs but if that shoe doesn't slide easily all right then you're using more energy more hydraulic or more air pressure we'll stick with hydraulic for easier for easy conversation here more high so so yes you're pressing very hard on the pedal but what's happening is you're losing parasitically you're losing a lot of that hydraulic energy because the caliper or the brake shoe doesn't want to move so now the same thing is going to happen in other aspects of equipment so let's say arguably you're going through the field with your planter all right and you have and you have uh your closing wheels and the closing wheels have some sort of bearing in it so now let's say that that closing wheel uh is has a bearing that's that's starting to fail then what will happen is that it's going to take more energy for that closing wheel to turn now you may say that's a that's not really true because it's, it's going to be ground driven and it's going to be forced to do to to go so many revolutions per foot in the field or what have you yes that's true to a certain extent but if you look at how if you look at that and you would to, to look at the amount of energy and then if that closing wheel that planter rides up a little bit then that closing wheel because it's requiring more energy has a parasitic loss because the bearing itself is not has a lot of rotating friction then it's going to impact the rpm and how many revolutions across that field that closing wheel is going to make same thing is with a seed meter but a lot of things that people don't think about are parasitic drains 
I shouldn't say drains parasitic losses, let's say like in electrical motors. So arguably you have an electric motor running something on your farm shop. It's running a fan. It's running a fan in a dairy barn. It's running uh, on a, on, a, uh, on a grain dryer, what have you, whatever it may be, right on a uh, irrigation pump. The thing is that if that motor is designed to pull 14, let's say 14 amps using that as an easy arithmetic, if that bearing is starting to go bad, or whatever it is operating, the, a bearing is starting to go bad or has some sort of internal friction, then that motor is going to draw more than 14 amps and may very well turn at a slower speed because of that. So keep that in mind. Now, what you need to recognize is that, in essence, if you break it down to the ridiculous, a parasitic loss in a piece of machinery will usually be based upon a higher level of friction. The same thing happens with a cable. If you have a throttle cable that's operating something, with the, whether it's a hand throttle on a tractor or a foot throttle or on a road vehicle, you have is with, the, with a throttle cable is that if that cable does not move freely inside its casing, then you're going to have to be pressing harder or the hand lever is going to be pressing you have more force to to move that lever to operate that device so you may say ah, it's no big deal i don't really feel it you don't feel it but the piece of machinery feels it the cable feels it if you don't lubricate cables on farm equipment then over that they the, are they are going to stretch at a higher rate and as they stretch at a higher rate that that control becomes less responsive you will not get full deflection of that so the throttle may not be going to the fully to the floor or the hydraulic device may not be working at a hundred percent capacity range of motion because of that but also over time you will shred that cable or break the the end where it attaches off because of that parasitic loss in there so what i want you to do as we is to look at your equipment and recognize that whether it's an engine, whether it's a hydraulic pump, whether it's a uh, a braking system, whether it's a steering system. So you're steering, right? So if you don't grease the tie rods and whatever whatever pivot points you have on that piece of equipment, then when you're going to turn it, or right, the thing with, with power steering, you kind of mask all of that because you you don't feel you don't perceive that it's harder to turn but that tie rod when you're turning that turning the wheel left or right that tie rod feels it everything else feels it because there's more force that's being required to operate it to accomplish that task so what i want you to do is look at look at all of your equipment and keep in mind that that almost in almost every instance a higher level of parasitic loss that is designed into it is going to not only create more heat and it's and it's going to create an excessive amount of wear and it's not going to be in balance with the potential work output from whatever it may be whether it's an electrical circuit or whether it's a a, a hydraulic circuit or anything is because it's going to be it's going to be consuming it's going to be sucking energy like a parasite and you're going to have excessive wear and you're not going to have the full use of that piece of equipment Hi, I'm Bob Phillips, and every week on Texas Country Reporter, we wind our way down the back roads, finding the places and the people 
that truly make Texas one of a kind. So hop in and travel with me every weekend at 10 a.m. Sunday on Rural Radio, channel 147, exclusively on Sirius XM. Hi, this is Red Stegall. I want you to join me every Saturday morning at 7 o'clock Eastern, and together we'll explore the life of the American cowboy through his poetry and his music on Cowboy Corner Collections. These are shows that we have recorded and aired over the past two decades, including the music and poetry of our friends as well as myself and the boys in the bunkhouse. With stories by America's great storytellers, join me as we ride through the West on Cowboy Corner Collections, Saturday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern on Rural Radio. NFR Extra follows Cowboys, talks to legends and country stars, and finds the stories that make up the season that leads to the annual showdown in December. Follow me, Nevada Caldwell, Ryland Bentley, and Steve Goder as we delve deep into the stories in and behind the road to gold. Listen to NFR Extra on Rural Radio, Channel 147 on Sirius XM every Monday at 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 Eastern, with a re-air Tuesday in the same time slot. NFR Extra, all dirt, all rodeo, all year. Watch RFD-TV anytime, anywhere on all your connected devices with RFD-TV now. Simply go to watchrfdtv.com and sign up for just $9.99 a month or save more and pay just $89.99 for the year. You can begin streaming RFD-TV live right away and have access to your favorite shows 24-7 on demand. Go to watchrfdtv.com, sign up, and start streaming today. All right, welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. If you have any questions on that, which I'm sure you may, just feel free to reach out to me. Uh, I only took about 12 minutes to explain it. The important thing here is to recognize that anything that moves or slides or rotates needs to work as freely as the design allows it to be. So there's there's geometry involved in that and other things. There's uh, the design of a bearing. But any time that you go above that, then you are creating an excessive amount of parasitic loss. And as I said, it's going to create wear and heat and eventually fail. So it's so keep that in mind. It's not good enough. Or don't you know? That's like when you tie something down, right? We're all guilty of this. You tie something down in a bed of a pickup truck. You go, oh, that's not going to go anyplace. And then 50 feet later, it blows out the back, right? So the thing, ah, that, that's all right. The hydraulic pump will move it. The engine will move it. All right. We're not talking about you. We're talking about the machinery. The machinery is going to feel it, and it's either going to be reliable or it's going to have a decrease in reliability. But before we get into the under the sheet metal segment, we got to bring in our good friend, Tex Robinowitz from Ripsaw Records. He's the hot rod man. Well, I'm a rolling daddy with a mean machine. It's got to be at motor. It sure is clean. I'm a hot rod man. Yeah, I'm a hot rod man. Look out, little mama, gonna get you if I can. Yeah, ready, Tex. Thank you so much. Okay. On our Under the Sheet Metal segment, we're going to talk about choosing a replacement radiator. A typical scenario goes something like this. An engine in a farm machine or truck needs a new radiator because it is beginning to run hot. You shop around and find a wide discrepancy in price and decide on the least expensive replacement. You are proud of your wise financial decision. That is until the engine runs just as hot or even slightly hotter than it did with the old radiator. 
How can this be? Is there something else wrong with the engine? It can't be the radiator, right? The job of the liquid is to cool the engine and it is the radiator's task to cool the liquid. To do this properly, it must be designed for the heat rejection of the engine it is installed in. Just because the radiator fits in place has nothing to do with how it performs. A radiator consists of the tanks, headers, and core. It is the core that has the most influence on its efficiency. Heated coolant is circulated through the core. There are small quantities of coolant. Their small quantities of coolant travel through the tubes that have fins attached to them. This is where the heat transfer from the liquid to the air occurs. The design of the tubes and the fins are paramount to the level of heat rejection. Specifications such as fin density per square inch, the size and shape of the tubes and fins, along with the material used to attach the fins, all add up to making the radiator efficient. The best choice is to buy a factory replacement radiator. It will have the heat rejection requirement for that engine. There are excellent aftermarket brands that produce the same heat rejection as the factory unit, but are usually not the lowest cost option. So just keep that in mind when you're looking at radiators or looking at anything, but specifically radiators, is that just because it fits in there does not mean it has the heat rejection. And the term heat rejection defines the transfer of BTU from the liquid into the air because it's an air cooled, uh, it's an air transfer system with a radiator. Okay, so it's called a heat exchanger. So now we have our special delivery letter, and it says, Hello, I am really enjoying your show. It is about time that there is someone talking about machinery and not just used equipment pricing. I do not know if you can answer this or not, but is there a simple way to calculate what it would cost for me to run an electrical device on my farm from the power company? Thanks, Paul. It is very simple. What you need to determine is the amperage draw of the of the unit, whatever it may be. So let's say arguably it's a hairdryer, your wife's hairdryer, and you need the amperage and the voltage to calculate the wattage. So if it's if you have a hundred twenty volt line voltage and it's drawing 10 amps then it'd be 10 times 120 volts times amps equals watts and that's on anything ac or dc volts times amps equals watts so that would be 1200 watts that it draws all right so it's 10 times 120 so now you need to contact your power company and look at your electrical bill and see but they sell you energy they sell you electricity by the kilowatt the thousand watt hour so if it's so whatever the price is per kilowatt so in essence let's say it's 10 cents per kilowatt so if you would take so that's for a thousand watts your hair dryer is drawing 1200 watts so it would cost you 12 cents to run that hair dryer per hour so basically in essence it's very very simple and i'm saying 12 cents based on 10 cents per kilowatts so it's volts times amps equals watts and the power company sells you energy by the thousand watts by the kilowatt so kilowatt is a thousand watts and you just do that multiplication that is other factors that come into play if you're running let's say like a big dairy operation or what have you and the things that you may have a higher uh a a higher 
rate charged for electricity at different hours, what have you, but basically it's volts times amps equals watts. Look at your electric bill or talk to your power company and find out what they're charging you per kilowatt hour. And then you could do the multiplication and that is based upon a kilowatt hour. So that would be running that, running that piece of equipment for one hour. So that is what that is all about. All right. So if you have any questions, give me a shout. And I just want to thank you for tuning in. And I want you to know that the hot rod farmer is pulling for you, the American farmer and rancher and my beloved, beloved America. You have a blessed, blessed day. And any questions, just reach out to me at hot rod farmer at farm See you next week. This is Mark Oppold with an American Agriculture History Minute, brought to you by AgriLiquid, committed to product performance, to research, to local field testing, and to superior customer service. Learn more at agroliquid.com. The U.S. Department of Agriculture was established in 1862. That was 42 years after the House created the Agriculture Committee. The U.S. Senate followed in 1825. In 1862, Congress passed federal land grants to states. States were to sell that land and use the proceeds to create colleges focused on agricultural studies. The first state to create such an institution was Kansas, opening Kansas State University in September 1863. That's today's American Agriculture History Minute. I'm Mark Oppold. of agriculture kansas farm bureau farmers and ranchers looking to help their own following the devastating windstorms and fires in kansas december 15th can use the hitchpin app to help deliver relief hitchpin is a great way to let others know what kind of help you need or if you are able to help by donating hay services materials labor or any other kind of donation hitchpin and other relief resources are also available on the kansas department of agriculture's recovery page at agriculture.ks.gov kansas farm bureau is working with groups like KDA, Hitchpin, and the Kansas Livestock Association because we know our members are willing and eager to help their fellow farmers and ranchers in need. This is the best way to get information to them as fast as possible. Listen again here for more from the Voice of Agriculture, Kansas Farm Bureau.